to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for student-run radio since 1971. I am your host, Jack Hart, going alongside my color man, Davis Carroll, uh, coming at you live on a Tuesday morning. We'd like to welcome in our listeners and viewers from across the Auburn and Opelika Megaplex, as well as around the world, however you may be listening in today whether that be on your terrestrial radio antenna through the information superhighway at WEGLFM.com or watching us live on WEGL's YouTube page, that is WEGL 91.1 on YouTube. You can also listen to us after the fact on Transistor.fm, catch us on Eagle Eye TV, Rotation, or you can listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Compact Discourse. We are happy to have you here in the booth with us, however you are joining us today with Auburn's only student-run drive-time morning show. And now, of course, we are broadcasting live from the Bradley-based WEGL studios in the bowels of the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University, where it is a lovely 50 degrees and sunny outside on this fine Tuesday morning. Welcome into Compact Discourse. Davis, feeling okay? I'm feeling good. I almost slept through all my alarms today, so... Almost had a rough start, but woke up, took a, got ready really quick, got here. Man, all worked out. Right there with you. I'm really, I'm really feeling, feeling the impacts of of getting. I, I, I powered through yesterday, but I got a lot of catching up to do on my sleep before I fully recover. So, I could always take a nap in Weagle, like I, like I'm, want to do. Put on the Skyrim music. Oh, it worked yesterday. It was, it was amazing. I out like a light. It. I was out. Mm-hmm. At this point, I would like to remind our audience that if any point in the next two hours you feel so inclined to ask a question, drop a hot take, or in the highly unlikely event that we get something wrong, if you'd like to correct us, you can go ahead and call in at 334-844-9345. That's 334-844-WEGL on your touchstone keypad. You can also shoot us a tweet at CDISCAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U on the Twitter. We would love to hear your feedback on the show. And our dedicated team of call screeners will handle your inquiry post-haste. All right, we're going to jump right into things today. Uh, we can start off by discussing Monday Night Football, which uh, happened last night between uh, uh, two teams that really shouldn't have been... Well, I mean, going into the season, you would you would think this wouldn't be a spectacular game, but it ended up coming down to the wire as the Kansas City Chiefs um, by the dent of a Harrison Butker field goal with a minute left in the game, defeated the New York Giants by a final tally of 22-17. <coughs> yep. I don't, I don't mean. Did you watch this game? I watched some of it. I was able to, to follow along on, uh, on social media, which is a, a great side effect of, of social media, is that you don't really have to be glued to your television. You can kind of watch the exciting things as they happen just uh, from your phone. So, uh, but it was it was interesting to see uh, that the, the these two teams were were playing each other so competitively, and it's really shown how 
much the Chiefs have regressed. I mean, they were they're battling to stay at 500 when they've really dominated the league for the past three years. So, uh, it's 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 the Patrick Mahomes show. Still, he goes 29 of 48 for 275 yards, a touchdown, and an interception, but not that MVP level performance that catapulted the Chiefs to two straight Super Bowls. And they're gonna have to do a lot of fighting if they want to get back to the championship game again this year. Um, it would. It was the uh, the New York Giants as well who have been struggling tremendously so far this season, just with two wins so far. Looking for their third last night, they came up short as Daniel Jones was sacked with just 30 seconds left in the game to seal the win for Kansas City. Daniel Jones went 22 of 32 for 222 yards and two touchdowns as well as one interception. And I guess that gives him a better performance on the night than Patrick Mahomes. So. I don't know. I don't know. What can we say about the kind of regression of Patrick Mahomes? Uh, it, he seemed to be like the the star of the NFL for the next decade to come. He seems just run-of-the-mill at this point. I, I I was watching a video by Jordan Palmer, which is Caution Palmer's brother on TikTok. It's actually a really good page. And he, doesn't, he, he was saying it's not really a regression in his eyes. It's more that he has to do more of what he did at Texas Tech, and this is pretty – vintage Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech, you know, running around, trying to make plays where there are none and throwing more interceptions than you'd like. But that was uh, – the Chiefs saw something in him even though he's doing that at Texas Tech. And I think he's starting to do that again because his team isn't as good or isn't as, like, formatted this year. I don't know the format is not the right word. But it's just he's kind of having to start to do the Texas Tech stuff again, really. Getting it's not little, that he, he's yeah. lost any talent. It's just that he has to start to improvise He has a, more. a weaker team around him. Yes. Mm. That would make sense. That is going to push you into some uh, interesting situations. So, uh, we will, uh, I mean, there's a lot we could say about the NFL. Uh, we didn't really talk about it yesterday, so I guess we could jump right into that today. Um, looking at your scores from over the weekend. Uh, now that we are, let's see, halfway through the season at this point now? Yeah. Hard to believe. Uh, well, uh, now that there's 17 games, a little less than halfway. But uh, I think I think this is a good a good time at any to kind of assess where we are so far in the season. We had uh, the Packers and the Cardinals playing last Thursday, if you can remember all the way back to then. Um, Packers and Cardinals, every time they play each other, you're guaranteed a insane game and I think this one lived up to the uh, the hype this was the Packers came into Arizona and handed the Cardinals their first loss there were some pretty dramatic injuries in this one and uh, Kyler Murray those uncharacteristic two interceptions to seal the win for the Packers in this one so the Packers after losing their opening game to New Orleans are now 7-0 and uh, after that. So these two teams are the best of the NFC. And if this is a preview of the NFC Championship game, I think we're in for a real treat uh, moving forward. Moving over to the Sunday games. On Sunday, uh, the Panthers defeated the Falcons 19-13. to uh, This was a very ugly game, a very defensive struggle. And... Uh, just I think characteristic I think you can sum up the whole game by what happened on the first drive, which was on the first play of the game, Chuba Hubbard fumbles the snap or fumbles the, the handoff for the Panthers and then the Falcons get a field goal out of it because the Panthers defense stops them 
it in the already in the red zone. So I think that just about sums it up. I think uh, let's see, twelve of the Panthers' nineteen points came off of field goals, and six of the Falcons' thirteen points came off of field goals. So this one was a very ugly defensive struggle, and the Panthers came out on top to improve to four and four. All right, uh, moving on. We got an AFC matchup here with the Bills defeating the Dolphins 26-11. to The Dolphins are, I think, the most underperforming team in the, in the league based on expectations going into the season. I think the Dolphins, a lot of fan, Dolphins fans thought the tank was over, not that they had kind of acquired the pieces that they wanted, but... After acquiring Tua and all that, they uh they're sitting at one and seven, and they're still looking. They they might trade Tua based on all the uh, talking going on, a lot of rumors going around that they're gonna flip him for Deshaun Watson, which I'm not sure. I don't think it's actually gonna happen. Man, they've been saying that forever. I don't know. The Dolphins seem to be in a in a rut. They just cannot escape. I didn't realize it was that bad. I I, I didn't realize it was a one and seven record for the Dolphins and not a little bit better. I didn't think they were great by any means, but. I I don't see any way out of this season with a with a with a positive for the Dolphins unless they can, unless someone crops up in the draft class really quickly that can can solve their problems in a hurry. Um, on uh, and continuing your noon games, it was another NFC matchup as the 49ers uh, defeat the Bears by a final tally of 33 to 22. They score 18 points in the fourth quarter. Jimmy Garoppolo goes 17 of 28 for 322 yards, and the 49ers improve to 3-4. and four. So another team that is uh, under, underperforming for expectations uh, gets a much-needed win on the road if they want to even begin to start thinking about keeping pace in that really tough NFC West division. And they take down the Bears, who uh, continue to have quarterback struggles. Justin Fields... Uh, he does get an unbelievable highlight touchdown, but uh, the Bears' offense continues to not be effective as they uh, sell for, I think, three field goals where in from from the from drives that could have resulted in touchdowns, and they uh, fall to three and five. Man, I don't know what the Bears are going to do about their quarterback situation, considering they have three potentially good quarterbacks, but none of them seem to be able to plug into that offense. I like Justin Fields for it, but I think the offense itself is just pretty mediocre. I mean, is it? I mean, is it? Is it a Matt Nagy problem, or is it a? I think it's just a Bears problem in general. Yeah, I just, I don't see a way out of this for the Bears, and it, it looks like just another year of spinning their wheels. Sadly, that's Chicago for you. Sadly for Chicago. All right, we're gonna head to a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna continue talking about the NFL. We also got some NBA to talk about. NBA celebrating its 75th season, so plenty of headlines to get to there, including uh, the NBA to celebrate the 75th season dropped all all 30 of the city edition uniforms yesterday. So maybe it's not uniform factor, but we might just talk about some of the highlights and lowlights. All that and more coming up with Davis and Jack on Compact Discourse. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse, WBGL 91.1 FM. W-E-G-L, 
Well, good morning, Auburn, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse. I am your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Mr. Davis Carroll, hanging out with you on a lovely Tuesday morning. Not a cloud in the sky this morning as the sun is climbing high in the autumn sky, and uh, it is going to be a beautiful day out on campus. So uh, put on put on a sweater and enjoy the cold weather before... Uh, that that sun comes back and makes it hot again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, there's going to be a social media and marketing workshop Thursday, November 4th from 4 to 5 p.m. in the Melton Student Center Ballroom. Student organizations are invited to join the Involvement Ambassadors and LOE's design company for a social media and marketing workshop on Thursday, November 4th from 4 to 5 p.m. in Ballroom B. So if you are part of a student organization anything from WEGL to Greek life to everything in between. You can uh, check out the social media and marketing workshop that will be put on by the Student Involvement Ambassadors and Eloise Design. It's going to be upstairs in this building, the Harold Melton Student Center in Ballroom B, all the way up there on the top floor. So check that one out if you are looking to improve your social media presence here on Auburn University's campus. And speaking of that, if you would like to follow WEGL on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. Those are all social medias last time I checked. Uh, you can do so at WEGL underscore AU, and uh, you can get all the information on whatever we have going on here at the station. I'm pulling up the Instagram right now to see what we have going on. I know we have Auburn Stages coming on later on this week, um, and we're pretty excited about that one. Uh, I think we're getting closer to the final one that's going to be actually outside considering it's getting colder now and we're gonna have to uh, move inside but um, I think we had a lot of fun doing Weagle stages or Auburn stages uh, with James Berryhill last week but um, there's gonna be some more Auburn stages coming up this week and if I can find the schedule ah here it is yes 11 4 Adam Linhard on the Upper Quad Lawn. That one is coming up this Thursday. Now, I've seen Adam perform live. He goes for a very long time. So if you're looking for a uh, um, a really great performance for a very prolonged period of time, check out Adam this Thursday on the Upper Quad Lawn. Uh, you can also... Uh, you can also follow WEGL on Instagram for all the information about Auburn Stages. We usually post... The day of or the day before with all the uh, the information on what you need to do before you go on out there to the uh, the Upper Quad Lawn to watch the live music. Adam's really good. I've seen him at an open mic night before, and I've seen him uh, at plenty of other Weagle performances, including uh, uh, Tigerfest back, back in August. So Adam's great. We're excited to have him as part of Weagle Stages, presented by Weagle 91.1 FM and the College of Architecture and Design, who designed those iconic stages that you see all of our performers standing on. So we're excited about that one later on this week. There's also some other stuff to get excited about uh, as we move into this 11th month of the year. Um, let's see. Black Widow is going to be uh, put on in the Melton Student Center on this Thursday, 11-4. So oh, after that social media workshop in the same room, if you just want to hang out there all evening, you can watch presented by UPC. Uh, you can watch Black Widow on the uh, 4th of November. That's this Thursday at 7.30 p.m. You can also watch Suicide Squad. I know, Davis, you have, you have thoughts on this film. 
If it's the new one, then I quite enjoy it. If it's the old one, I don't. The I... Suicide Squad, you can watch that one. Same room, same time, 7.30, Milton Center Student Center. Milton Student Center Ballroom. Uh, that's on the 18th, so that'll be in two weeks, right before we get out for Thanksgiving break. So just get excited for that one, putting that on your radar. <coughs> that one's all brought to you by our friends over at University Program Council, who are bringing you free and fun events um, year-round. So check that one out. If you feel so inclined, we'd love to uh, we'd love to see you guys there. All right. We're going to jump right in to uh, – I want to shout out one last thing before we head to a quick break. I do want to talk about the schedule for today. Um, coming up after Compact Discourse, we do, always, as always, have two hours of rock music, the same playlist you heard before the show. So if you enjoyed what you were hearing before the show, I know we were hearing a little uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Bon Jovi. So if that's, that's right up your alley – that's that's J that's the JP Touch, um, DJP's put some great new rock music in the system uh, pretty much every day. So you never know what kind of new stuff you will hear. If you enjoy that kind of stuff, you can listen for two hours right here on Weagle ninety one point one and uh, the website wglfm.com for some more of that great content. We've also got the local music, which has just been filled up uh, with uh, like over two hours of great stuff now. So. Uh, you can listen to that from 12 to 1. You can listen to songs from local artists, songs that have been uh, exclusively partnering with Weagle 91.1 FM, and songs that have done great stuff like Auburn Stages and Weagle Sessions to, uh, to uh, you know, get a, build a relationship with the station. So we're happy to play their music. Uh, and then later on tonight, we've got the Why So Serious show with Will Root. Uh, and his brother, Thomas Root, who I was uh, lucky enough to go to the World Series with earlier this week uh, on Sunday. So we might be talking about that on the Why So Serious show tonight. And then, as always, we've got your pop music from 7 to 9 and rap music from 9 to 11. That's going to wrap up your Tuesday schedule here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I know Will is probably going to be glued to his TV at the end of Why So Serious because... Game six of the World Series is tonight as the Atlanta Braves will be taking on the Houston Astros. Atlanta just one win away from clinching their first World Series victory since 1995 and Houston looking to stay alive in that series. Plenty to talk about, including the World Series, as well as wrapping up our NFL discussion and getting to those NBA City Edition jerseys and the big headlines that have happened so far in the 75th season of the NBA, including that uh, Kevin Durant ejection. So we'll, we'll jump into that and more on the other side of a break. Do not go anywhere to the bottom of the hour. we got weather coming up right when we get back. So keep it right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WeagleFM.com, and Weagle 91.1 on YouTube. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com. I'm your host, Jack Hart. Join alongside 
Davis Carroll. We are Auburn's only student-run morning drive-time morning show, and we are coming at you live from the Harold Melton Student Center here in uh, beautiful Auburn, Alabama, on the campus of Auburn University, where uh, right now we'll get into your Auburn weather report. It has warmed up just a little bit since we started the show. It is now 54 degrees and sunny here on the plains, high of 72, low of 46 today. But I think we'll be hedging more towards that high as the sun is coming out and will be high in the sky with very few clouds. We're looking at clear skies throughout the morning and throughout the day. 61 degrees is your morning temp. Afternoon temp is going to get up to 70, so it should, it should be pretty nice by around 3 p.m. Evening temp will get down to 55 degrees, and then your overnight temp is going to be 49. So it's getting chilly once again. Um, we're going to be looking at the wind once again coming 8 miles per hour heading southwest. So another blustery day blowing those uh, those leaves off the trees and uh, 86% humidity. So make sure you, you know what all the buttons do in your car because I can never find the defroster. It's a shame. I know. I never use it. That's one of my most used buttons when it gets colder. Interesting. I always just push it so I can defog. And man, the cold weather is absolutely here to stay. Do you 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 want to you want to hear the ten day? Yes, sixty seven degrees on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. That's a high. Sixty two, sixty, sixty one, sixty four, and sixty eight by next Monday. And we're looking at lows in the low forties. I hope it hits the low because sixty eight. We're getting in the middle of November. It should it should be starting to get colder, in my opinion. Yeah, between between now and next Tuesday or two two weeks from now, Tuesday the sixteenth, the highest high we are looking at is seventy one. If you can believe that, that's good. That's nice. It's a nice you very very unseasonable. Sit outside in a hammock, maybe very unseasonable. For, it might be uh, it might be like a windy seventy one though. It's like more chilly. Could be interesting. We'll have to see. Yeah, very unseasonable for this uh, time of year and this location in the country. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. It. We'll see if I can adapt to that. I'm already. I'm already struggling two days in. Should sure, bundle up more. It's it's hard. <laughs> All right, we're gonna jump right back into our discussion about the NFL National Football League. Continue to roll on with their season. Um, AFC matchup: the Steelers defeated the Browns uh, in a very defensive struggle. I think the Steelers, if I'm looking at this box score right, scored. Five field goals to get 15 points, and that was enough for a win. Yikes. And uh, they defeat the Browns. The Browns fall to a 4-4 four and four record, so the uh, the team that was one win from an AFC championship last year is now 4-4. Four and four, But, hey, the Chiefs are right there with them, so uh, who will come out of the AFC is a mystery to anyone. The Lions have looked competitive in their seven losses so far. This season, not true on Sunday as the Eagles run them out of Ford Field, 44-6. to Yikes. I don't, know. I don't know what's going on in Detroit. This could be the best 0-8 team ever, but they did not look like it on Sunday as the Eagles uh, ran all over the Detroit Lions. Uh, this one went to uh, second overtime game of the year for the Titans. They get a win over the Colts. Uh, to improve to six and two, the Titans um, have a loss to the Jets, but other than that, their season has been going extremely well so far. Ryan Tannehill is in peak form. He is twenty-three of thirty-three, 
265 and three touchdowns on the day for Tannehill, the quarterback of Tennessee. They defeat the Colts once again, 34 to 31 in overtime. Colts drop to three and five. And in another surprising AFC matchup, the Bengals, who were leading the division heading into the weekend, uh, dropped to five and three as they drop a game to the Jets in their all-black uniforms. Mike White uh, comes in in relief of Zach Wilson. He goes 37 of 45, throws for 400 yards, and gets three touchdowns. Hey, I already think he should. I think he should keep starting at this rate. Like at that honestly. point, like the Jets have struggled to find a quarterback for years, like more than 10 years at this point. And this guy comes in and maybe has the best performance as a, a Jet has seen in this decade. Uh, I'm interested to see if he was a fluke or not. I, I, I am rooting for him to keep it going because it's a good story. He was just like toiling out or toiling, oh my goodness, toiling, toiling around like practice squads and NFL teams for like the past four years, and now he finally got a start and he just blew it up. Got to give a guy a chance. Hey, I'm like I, I wanna, I I'm rooting for him. To I like a started. story like that. It's a good one. All right, the L.A. Rams take a visit to Houston, and they obliterate the Texans 38-22. to uh, The Rams scored the first 38 points in that game, and the Texans mounted a 22-point comeback in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Uh, David Mills was your leading passer in this game, believe it or not. Um, the the replacement of Deshaun Watson and Tyrod Taylor, he went 29 of 38 for 310 yards and two touchdowns. It was uh, the Rams now improved to 7-1, and one, so they appear to be the class of the NFC, right up there with the Packers and the Cardinals, and the Texans dropped to 1-7 and seven to invert that record. And they continue to deal with struggles on and off the field uh, as they, you know, fall back into the basement of the AFC. In the in going out west, it was the New England Patriots improving to four and four as they defeated the Los Angeles Chargers twenty-seven to twenty-four. Patriots perfect on the road so far this year. Um, Harris, the running back for the Patriots got 80 yards and a touchdown, and Adrian Phillips got a pick six versus his former team to seal the victory for the uh, the men from Boston. The Patriots win this one 27-24. Um, the Jaguars continue to lose, this time at the hands of the Seattle Seahawks, who are 3-5 and five without Russell Wilson, but they've managed to get a win against the Jaguars, unsurprisingly. Jaguars dropped to 1-6. and six. And the Seahawks win this one 31-7. They uh, they actually fake an onside kick for a touchdown. I'm going to watch this video. Davis, what are your thoughts on the Jaguars? Uh, I'm not very high on them. Uh, I'm not very high on Trevor Lawrence in general, to be honest. Uh, I think it's <laughs> Urban Meyer's their coach. I don't really feel yeah, like I, know. I need to say much more I know about Alex that. isn't here to talk about Urban Meyer, but I, I think I can hear him talking about it from here. <laughs> He's he's getting mad. He's getting riled up. Yeah, I don't think the Jaguars are good. I don't think they're going to be good for another few years, and I'm not sure if Urban Meyer's going to be a part of that. Okay. They just caught the Jags' onside kick pretty much on the fly and ran it in for a touchdown. So How do you, That's not a fake, then. I, it says take, not oh, fake. Oh, okay. It faked me out. Uh, so, yeah, the uh, Seahawks can do no wrong against the Jaguars as the Jaguars continue to struggle on the season. Here's another game that went down 
the Washington football team drops one to the Broncos, and mm, I don't know. I don't know about these two teams. The Broncos, I thought, were very bad. You know what? I think they are still very bad. They um, were in the same boat as the Panthers, where they started out three and zero by p- playing very bad opponents, and then. Um, Proceeded to lose their next three and now got a win this week. So the Panthers and the Broncos both have identical records. At four and four, the Broncos win this one by uh, Teddy Bridgewater finding Melvin Gordon for a Broncos touchdown in this one to win it 17 to 10. Taylor Heineke, though, continues to play well. He's 24 of 39 for 270 yards and one touchdown, although. Uh, the offense was kind of spinning their wheels on Sunday as they only mustered 10 points against the Broncos team. Uh, this was a very anticipated matchup on uh, the Fox's game of the week. It was the Buccaneers and the Saints. The Saints come away victorious in this one as Tom Brady's comeback falls short in the second half. The Saints improved to 5-2 to two by winning against the Buccaneers 36-27. to 27. Tom Brady goes... 28 of 40, 370 yards, and four touchdowns. So, unbelievable performance by the uh, former and perhaps future MVP, Tom Brady. But his Buccaneers uh, are 6-2 and two now as they come up just short against the Saints in that one. Uh, potentially a playoff matchup that we will see later on down the road. Mm-hmm. Interesting. James Winston also went down in that game towards ACL. But did you see him dancing in the locker room on the crutches afterwards? No, sir. He was cru- he was wearing his crutches. He was booted up. I guess more of a, not more of a boot. He, he had the leg cast on, mm-hmm. and everybody was celebrating, dancing for winning the game. And he was in there celebrating with them while Sean Payton was giving the press conference about how he potentially tore his ACL. It's hard not to love Jameis Winston. He's having fun. Did you see he did like a fake pitch to the defense and faked some of the defenders out? Got the first down. Awesome. He's crazy. Focused. Having fun. He can see now. He ate, he got the Popeyes chicken sandwich like Deshaun. <laughs> Man, oh. what? I was just thinking, you said Popeye chicken sandwich. It's a little early for that. It's All right. never too early. And then in the game of the week, uh, Sunday night football, it was the Dallas Cowboys host or heading up to Minnesota to play the Vikings. Vikings uh, are were were three and three on the season and two and two at home coming into this one. Dalvin Cook is now back playing. I know you're excited about that. I already tra- I traded him. Oh, well, I guess you don't care then. I don't. I have Justin Jefferson, though, and Kirk Cousins, so I'm excited about that. So the Vikings' uh, offense does not do great. They just get just one touchdown in this game and three field goals to get 16 points. And the Dallas Cowboys make a sensational play at the end of the game. D- Amari Cooper makes a juggling catch and then hauls in the winning touchdown for the Dallas Cowboys, who improved to 6-1. and one with a 20-16 to victory over the Minnesota Vikings. And yeah, after the NFC least was on full display last year, the Dallas Cowboys are now 6-1, and uh, whether that's a by dint of an easy schedule or if the Cowboys have finally put it together, we, uh, we, we will see. But as the standings sit, they are sitting on top of that division and sitting pretty close to the top of the AFC, or the NFC. So... Uh, your current division leaders are the Arizona Cardinals, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Green Bay Packers, the Dallas Cowboys, the Las Vegas Raiders, surprisingly, who are on by, the Tennessee Titans, the Baltimore Ravens, also on by, and the Buffalo Bills. 
Um, we'll look at uh, the playoff picture as the season continues to develop. But with that, we do have to head to a quick break. But when we come back, I think we will finally be getting to those NBA City Edition jerseys for the 75th anniversary. We've also got some NBA headlines to talk about. Um, and we'll get to all that and more on the other side of the break. So keep it right here on WETL 91.1 FM and WeeklyFM.com. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on, where are we, WEGL 91.1 FM and WeeklyFM.com. However, you may be joining us today. Thank you for spending your Tuesday morning with us here on Auburn's only student-run radio station. We're going to jump right into the NBA celebrating their 75th season and uh, pulling out all the stops for it so far. Some interesting uh, storylines coming out of the season so far, including the Chicago Bulls, who are leading the Eastern Conference so far. They're six and one. The Detroit Pistons are in the basement. They are one and five. So maybe a little surprise there with the Bulls jumping out to such a hot start. They made a lot of good acquisitions this offseason. They got Demar Derozan. They got uh, Zach. They paired him with Zach Levine. They also got. Um, Lonzo Ball this offseason. So they got kind of like a big three of Lonzo DeMar and Zach Levine. And they also picked up players like Alex Caruso in free agency. And they got Vucevic last year. So, I mean, it's, it, they're shaping up to be a pretty good team. Not amazing defensively. Lonzo Ball is probably their best defender in the starting five. But, yeah, I mean, they're looking good, looking fun. I, I'm, I'm rooting for them, even though I'm a fan of their rivals, the Bucks. That's right, and the Bucks are 3-4 and four out of a playoff spot if uh, the season were to end today, but thankfully it doesn't end until April, so they're going to be able to crawl back in, Yeah, the defending champs. They'll be, they'll be able to. They just had some injury problems, having to play some more of their younger players recently. But yeah, it'll be all good. It's really too early to tell for teams who's going to end up being good because same thing with NFL and MLB. Players can, or teams can start out hot at the beginning, and then they just fall off pretty quickly. Especially with team or with there's 82 games in the season, so some fall off fall off after 10, some fall after fall off after 40. We'll have to find out. That's right. And looking out west, uh, another the other the defending Western Conference champ, Phoenix Suns. They're also out of a playoff spot. They're sitting at 10th in the conference, two and three at 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 present. Oklahoma City, unsurprisingly, at the bottom. I think they will stay there at one and six. Uh, we'll just watch those losses rack up for the uh, for the Thunder. And uh, the Utah Jazz are on top of the West, five and one, tied with the Golden State Warriors, an identical record of five and one, is what's happening out West. So that's what's going on in the NBA. Um, some scores from last night: you had Cleveland defeating Charlotte, one thirteen to one ten; Indiana defeating San Antonio, one thirty one to one eighteen; Philadelphia defeats Portland, one thirteen to one o three. I know in that one. The Philly fans were chanting at Dame Lillard that they wanted they wanted him to come to to Philadelphia. They do. I mean, I mean, like any team probably wants Damian, but uh, Philly fans are really the worst. They're one of the worst teams with thinking that they're going to get every player that they want. 
the Celtics are the other team that is, in my opinion. And the Lakers. Lakers are really bad about it, too. But uh, there's been so many rumors about them training Ben Simmons for a cavalcade of players. Did I use that right? Uh, a myriad. Myriad. Oh, that's a better one. A myriad of players. Could be anybody. Could be anybody. So they, they, they've they got this this belief that they're going to somehow get Damian Lillard for a player that's not even close to the value that they think he is. They're not going to get Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard does not want to leave Portland. No matter how much that hurts his legacy, he wants to stay in Portland. I'm, he seems to love it there, even if Portland's not doing much to really help him win a championship. Damian Lillard got 20 points in that game as the uh, the Blazers lost to the 76ers. The Atlanta Hawks improved to 3-0 at home as they defeat the Wizards 118-111. to Chicago Bulls uh, and DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan gets 37 points in a 128-114 to victory over the Celtics. Um, so good performance there by DeMar DeRozan. The Raptors defeat the Knicks 113-104 to in the Garden. Julius Randle gets 22 points in that one. The Grizzlies defeat the Nuggets 106-97 to last night. Uh, Jokic gets 23 points. Ja Morant gets 26, as well as 7 rebounds and 8 assists. So, good performance by Ja Morant, who you may remember from uh, playing at Murray State, yeah? Mm-hmm, he did. Murray's not even a state. It's not. Uh, what's, their, what's their mascot? The Racers, I think? Yeah, 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 because like it's the horse. Like a guy on a horse? Yes. The... Magic defeated the Timberwolves 115 to 97. Carl Anthony Towns 16 rebounds in that one. Pretty impressive for the big center. C A T K A T. What mm-hmm. do you call him? Cat. Cat. Yeah. Cat. And then in your last game of the night, the Thunder dropped to 0 and 4 on this uh, on, on on the away games as they lose to the L A Clippers 99 to 94. Paul George 32 points in that one. Uh, uh, you're talking about how the uh, you expect the Thunder to be at the bottom. I expect the Timberwolves to not be far behind. Mm. The Timberwolves last year were atrocious, even though they've started to maybe put it together. They got D'Angelo Russell. I, I really don't. I, I don't know if they can really how much they can really do to make themselves better. It it really does not seem to be going well for them in any way, shape, or form. No, no go on the not not buying. The Timberwolves. I like Cat. I like D'Angelo Russell, but other than that, I'm not really sold on this team. Also, like, no, nah, I don't really like Josh Okogi that much. As a team, I'm not. I'm not sold on him. D'Angelo Russell. Not I'd a love fan. to. I, I love D'Angelo Russell. Also love Cat, but mm-hmm. they need to prove me wrong because last year they were the worst team in basketball. Interesting. And I mean the worst. The worst. They were, they were, I remember they started out at the beginning of the season, they like started out like eight and two or something, like yeah. something decent. And they were like, oh, this is the year. We're going to do it. This but is the we're year. good now. And then they like proceeded to lose 90% of their games the rest of the year. Something crazy. I'm looking up their, uh, their, their record last year because I'm curious to see. They went 23 and mm. 49. Mm-hmm. The only two teams worse were the Thunder and the Rockets. There you go. So. The Rockets obviously trading all their players that season and having a hurt John Wall being their leader. I think the Rockets are going to be much better this year. They're starting out. They have some good players. Uh, they got Jalen Green, obviously. 
They got uh, Kevin Porter Jr., who's looking good for them. They got Christian Wood. Maybe, maybe, maybe the start of a new leaf, turnover new leaf for the Rockets. I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see this new look NBA that's that's uh, kind of cropping up in in the post COVID world. So it's going to be fun to uh, for this season, especially to follow what uh, the teams are getting up to, especially uh, as as uh, the Ben Simmons dominoes might start to fall pretty soon here, as well as the Kyrie Irving. Uh, I'm not sure what the deal is with Kyrie Irving at this point. I don't think they're going to trade him because nobody wants him. But uh, until he gets vaccinated, he's not going to play. Simple as that. All right, we are going to head to a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about those jerseys as promised. But I do want to remind you that the Beat Bama Food Drive is ongoing from now until the Iron Bowl. So if you see those big old cans sitting outside uh, campus buildings, go ahead and be sure to drop your non-perishable food items into those and help us raise more food than the West Alabama Food Bank over here uh, so we can beat Bama at the Beat Bama Food Drive and hopefully beat Bama in the Iron Bowl as well. So let's go 2-0 in that one and continue to support the Beat Bama Food Drive as they continue their quest to end hunger here in East Alabama. We'll be back in about five minutes with some more compact discourse, so don't go anywhere. I'm Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll. Ladies and gentlemen, this is FM 91. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll, who was hanging out with me for the first hour. And now we've got the one and only Jungle President, Jacob Hillman, joining us in the booth today. Hello there. That's right. And uh, how are you doing today, Jacob? I'm doing well. Uh, it's, a, it's a good morning. Uh, nice little chill outside. So that, that, that really woke, woke me up as I walked to my 8 a.m. Yeah, I've been uh, busting out the gloves so my fingers don't fall off as I ride my bike to campus. As uh, it's giving me, it's giving me extra point flashbacks. I can't, I can't lie. What was your class, Hillman? Uh, sports storytelling. Mm. So any R- stories? You spun any yarns? Well, recently? visual storytelling. Oh, okay. It's about it's about projecting a narrative. Interesting. Right. So you're gonna you're gonna pose the camera so you don't see the see the other side of the story. Well, that is one way to look at it. Yeah. But I mean, that's part of the narration. The the person looking at the camera talks about what's on the other side. Is it talking about like way. how you frame someone in an interview? Is it like that's oh, okay. that's part of it? Or is it? There's a lot. I mean, it's everything. Where it, to look when they're hiking the ball? Where to put the camera? Yes. Mm. Part of part of it. Yes. Interesting. How to make the bookshelf they're sitting in front of look blurry, but their face look clear? Yeah. yeah. How to make sure they have enough things on their uh, enough accoutrement on their bookshelf behind them? Did I use that right? I I feel like I did. I'll say like a contested W there. Yeah. A dub under review. Uh, under review. I'll, I'll, I'll review it. All right. So in the first hour, we talked about. The NFL, including some surprises and some disappointments, including the Miami Dolphins, who are probably the biggest disappointment so far this season. We also talked about the NBA, 
including the surprising Bulls, who are jumping off to a hot start, and Davis's prediction that the Timberwolves will have the I didn't worst, use it right. worst record by the end of the season. It's, no love for the T-Wolves. What, what no. does accoutrement mean? Additional items of dress or equipment or other items carried or worn by a person or used for a particular activity. So you have to wear it to be mm. accoutrement. So like 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 buttons and zippers. Uh, I'd say more like maybe ties. Like a and, tie clip. Yeah, that's an. I guess that's accoutrement. Or is it an accoutrement? I feel like the would, con the continental pronunciation. Would that also be like a belt? Equipment trappings, specifically a soldier's outfit, usually not including clothes and weapons, usually used in plural. An accessory item of clothing or equipment, usually used in plural. So like a like a like a canteen. Yes. I think a canteen would be an accoutrement. If you're like your backpack, maybe that's accoutrement. If you're like on a comical, so I, silly camping trip and you have like pots and pans hanging whoa! off your backpack, like clanging, clanging your backpack. together. Or a combat belt. Would that be one? It, it said not weapons or clothing. Ooh. Yeah, like a pocket knife. Like you, like your you, book with your girlfriend's photo in it. Mm-hmm. So it's a personal thing. It's it's not, you. I think like not... Let me go to Marion itself. Specifically, equipment or trappings, a soldier's outfit usually, or the B, the number, the B, the B uh, uh, definition, an accessory item of clothing or equipment usually used in plural. In a sentence, shops offering the physical accoutrement of polite manners, lace, gloves, linen underclothing, snuff, and gentlemen's powdered wigs. Mm-hmm. Why, is it such, why is it like a 1700s definition? Because it's the word accoutrement. Yeah. I don't know why you're surprised. When's the last it? time you saw a powdered wig? <laughs> Uh, court? No, they don't do that. What have you? What have you? What? It's not. It's not con- colonial England. I think they still wear them over there. Jury's out. Mm. No have you? Have you been over there to see? Because I, I haven't. You don't have to go there to see. <laughs> the internet does exist. I think we can move on from uh, that. I would <laughs> love. I would at, love to. I'm looking at. You know what? Every, I'm gonna drag us back. Every into time this. I get out, they pull me back in. <laughs> All right, so I want to thank everyone for listening and joining us with us on a Tuesday morning, a chilly Tuesday morning, but a lovely autumn Tuesday morning on this 11th month of the year. It is the second day of November, so if you did not pay your rent yesterday, go ahead and do that right now because it's uh, t- clock's ticking. I uh, hope you're uh, participating in the November challenge along with us, uh, doing a little self-betterment in the month of November. I went on a run last night, felt pretty good to get back into things. I've been drinking Drinking my water and uh, trying to get through it, you know. Uh, do, do something to improve yourself this November and uh, take the challenge. It'll be a lot of fun by the end of it. I guarantee it. So uh, however you are listening to us today, whether that be from your terrestrial radio antenna, 91.1 FM, or visiting us on the website, weeklefm.com, we thank you for doing so. And we're going to jump right back into the show. I think I promised that we would talk about the NBA City Edition jerseys. So we'll jump right into that one. Hillman, did you see the Hawks one? Yeah, pretty beautiful. I like it a lot. I think it's one of the top in the NBA. I don't think it's the best, but I think it is one of the best. I think I think I would agree. I I'd have to. So so what I'm going to recommend to everybody listening is that um, if you don't know what we're talking about, we were talking about for the 75th anniversary of the NBA, Nike and the NBA released all of the city edition uniforms or jerseys to be worn throughout the season all at once. 
and they all have a common theme, wherein in the past they've just been based on uh, maybe an element of an iconography from the city in which the team is based. This year they've all gone with the same similar theme, and keeping in line with the 75th anniversary of the NBA, they are what's known as a remix jersey, where they've taken elements from the past, uh, from every previous edition of a team's jersey, and mashed them together in sort of a collage art project to make one jersey. So, you know, the color from one jersey, the number font from another jersey, the word font from another jersey, and then the logo from a fourth jersey. And mix those all together, and you get the City Edition Remix jerseys. Um, if you want the best look at these that I can uh, provide to you, I would go to Chris Creamer on Twitter at sportslogos.net. Um, his profile picture is him with, sitting with the Stanley Cup, and he has a thread with a complete breakdown of every single one of these jerseys, including where the elements are from on each of them. So he did a, a really good job yesterday, I think, spending all day digging through the archives of all these previous jerseys to find where these all come from. And um, I think he's done a pretty comprehensive job of it. So the Hawks one is uh, is yellow. Yes, mustard yellow. And I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I'm usually not a fan of a color like that, but I can deal with the way that they. I think they did it perfectly. Where it, I think I think that the the logo, the Hawks logo on it, just kind of. Because I feel like if that logo was not as big, mm-hmm. then the yellow might be too much. But because of the wide wingspan on the Hawk, it looks really good. So the Hawks wore yellow on their uh, home jersey from 2004 to 2007. So that's where this color is derived from. That big Hawk logo, although it's a little smaller than it was in the 90s. Uh, it was really big in the 90s. Yeah. Back from 1995 to 1999, the Hawks wore a really big Hawk on the front of their jersey, and that one's making a return. Um, that 1970s-style Atlanta script is actually from those um, throwbacks they've worn in the past uh, from the 1970 to 1972 seasons back when the team was in St. Louis where they would wear uh, it. They looked a lot like the Flint Tropics uniforms uh, with, with the blue Ooh. and the, the green kind of stripe that meanders around the, the shoulder. I bet so, that's inspiration behind the Tropics jerseys. I, Very I ABA so. style Very jersey. 70s, yeah. And uh, the number font is from way back in the day. I think maybe even the... I can't even think of where they were before St. Louis, but back back in the time they won their one and only championship, yeah. uh, the, the the old block numbers with a drop shadow. So those are the four elements that have been combined together to make these new Hawks jerseys. You've also got the old uh, Vince Carter Hawks script on the shorts, as well as uh, a new logo that has just been released for these jerseys, which is down by the, the, uh, the Nike tag. You have uh, the Hawk logo, uh, classic, but the basketball it's holding is the zero in four oh four, which is the uh, the uh, phone area code, code. Yeah, phone code for the Atlanta area. So representing as all these are trying to do, representing the city. I really like the way they did that. Like it, you know, it's pretty easy to do with the bat because you see the basketball's a zero and you just mm-hmm. put the four ones on each side. I don't know why that is just now a new thing, honestly. Yeah, it seems like something uh, they would have come up with a while ago. For the record, they left St. Louis in 68. Before that, they were in Milwaukee. Interesting. Oh, so it was like the Braves. Yeah. And the they were, before that, they were the Tri-Cities Hawks, and before that, they were the Buffalo Bisons. Storied history. All right, I want to talk about the Bucks ones. Cause, uh, yeah. Because Davis is a Bucks fan. Key, uh, Fear the Deer. I almost said the uh, 
Panthers phrase. <laughs> Keep pounding? Yeah, almost. <laughs> I like these Bucks uniforms. I really do. So, I love the purple. Oh I'm yeah, I'm not sold on the purple personally. Really? I know it's I know it's reminiscent of the 2000s, like early 2000s purple, but I do like the the stripes, like the stripes on the side from the 77 to 85 jerseys. I'm a big fan of those old ones. Yeah. So the Bucks script on the uh, the front is from this from the 70s, you know, classic NBA simple jerseys. Uh, the 77 to 85 striping down the side. You got the current number font that uh, is, is still being used to this day. And, of course, you got the, uh, if you look real closely, you'll see that, that deer logo right on the front of the shorts that uh, is making an appearance as well. So, I'm not a big fan of the, the purple blocking on the shorts. I, I feel like know. it does look out of place, I will say. If they had left that out, I think these would be overall much better. But it does ignore, you know, a critical piece of Bucks history. Yeah, I think that's kind of why I really like it. It's just like, you... When I think of the Bucks and I think of throwbacks, I think purple. Like that's exactly what I think of whenever I think of Bucks in the like past. Like the purple and green, like Rudolph logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Early two thousands, uh, Michael Red type. Mm-hmm. But he wore he wore more red. That was when they were going through their red era, though. I like when I think of the Bucks throwbacks. I think of like the seventies, eighties ones. I, I really enjoy those with the, the 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 striping on the side. I always use those in two K. It's my favorite one. Mm. Love a throwback. Fun fact. And then I think the last one we'll talk about is, unless you guys have have any objection, is the one that I think is the worst, and that's the Charlotte Hornets. Ooh, well, I I have a different. We'll talk about them. I, mean, I, I have a different team that I, I will say worst. it is hard to pick a pick a worst. So I'm I'm, I'm open to to hearing uh, another argument, but uh, I think the the use of a gradient combined with a honeycomb pattern combines to make a very very stinky jersey indeed. Yeah, I mean this this is probably the second worst for me. I I would have to look at other ones I have a very clear first worst but like yeah you're right it's just kind of I think it would be okay if the honeycomb was just at the on the bottom of the shorts mm-hmm. like I don't like that on the shoulders at all yeah because I think that you just, it's kind of like a gradient that I'm not usually a fan of but when you do it like twice and one on top and one on the bottom it's like Ugh. and not just a gradient a gradient into a pinstripe pattern back from right. those, those Muggsy Bogues jerseys yeah. from the 90s Ugh. that does not continue under the shorts mind you so the pinstripes stop at the belt line okay yeah Th- this is pretty bad this is definitely the second worst but i'm glad to see the uh, the old dribbling dribbling hornet making an appearance on the shorts yeah that is, that is a very nice we'll see and that and that's the thing is it would be a good uniform if the stripes continued there was no honeycomb on the shoulders and it was just the honeycomb mm-hmm. on the bottom because, I mean, the hornet on top of the honeycomb, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I feel like uh, this is just my thesis overall for these. I feel like what they should have done for the 75th anniversary is for the City Edition jerseys, make an updated version of every team's most iconic look. You know, Ooh. I feel like, you know, the like the Vince Carter Hawks, update that. You got the, the Muggsy Bogues Hornets, update that. Uh, the I mean, the Bulls obviously didn't change their uniforms that much, but do something to honor the, the, the 90s Bulls. And I think right. uh, Showtime Lakers, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. If I was in charge of, of Nike and Jordan, that would, that would have been my first first thing on the drawing board. But I, because I think like if you remove the gradient here and you just put the, the dribbling hornet on the pinstripe, like that's a great jersey, but they've already worn that before. Right. So just, just put them back in their most iconic look for the 75th anniversary, and I think you, you might have a winner there. But – is what they're going with. So, what what do you think the worst are? The Thunder. I mean, what what in the world is this? 
Like the Thunder. It's literally oh. just a white jersey. I mean, oh, the all white jersey. Yeah, yeah. Like this one leaked, and I was tempted to talk about it on Uniform Factor, but I thought it was fake because it was so bad. So bad. Yeah. I mean, like, it's so boring. I I, I have a few uh, Thunder's fans friends, and they mm-hmm. when it got leaked, they were just in shambles <laughs> because what? It looks like those players' weekend uniforms they had had them wear in the in the uh, in the in the MLB. Yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison because it's just, man. I mean, like, all right. So yeah, you, I mean, I'm okay with adding that because it seems like they did it just because of the down the right uh, right chest, the OKC, and then they just couldn't really find a way to incorporate all the colors. But I don't know. I just why would they go with white and not like. Thundercloud gray. Yeah. Like, if you're going to go monochrome, come on. I'm also not a fan of the uh, 76ers one or the Magic one. I mean, if we want to play the not a fan game, we might. Yeah. We're going to overrun our break real right. quick. So we, uh, we are going to head to a quick break. When we come back, we might have some closing statements on the NBA 75th anniversary City Edition jerseys, but plenty more to get to, including Game 6 of the World Series coming up tonight as Los Bravos take on the Houston Astros in Minute Maid Park. Braves looking to close out the series and get their first victory in the World Series since 1995. Houston Astros looking to win their first title since 2017 and stay alive to stay off elimination. We'll be back in about two minutes with some more of the show. I'm Jack Hart, joining alongside Davis Carroll and Jacob Hillman, hanging out with you in the Harold Melton Student Center. We'll be back in two minutes with some more of Compact Discourse. 91.1 WEGL-FM, Auburn University. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Jacob Hillman. Uh, welcoming him into the studio today. We're having a good time talking about the NBA 75th anniversary jerseys on the other side of the break. So if you would like to listen to that discussion, you can get our podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Just search for Compact Discourse. Look for that orange and blue CD logo, which is, has been submitted for an IBS award now. So you may just uh, have, be, it might just be an award-winning Compact Discourse logo pretty soon here in the future. So we're excited about that. And uh, if you want to check out the jerseys for yourself, like I said, you can go over to either sportslogos.net on the web or you can go on your Twitter app and find Chris Creamer who runs sportslogos.net and check out his page. He's got all the sports logos and uniforms news you need, including a thread that breaks down every single, all 30 of these uh, NBA City Edition jerseys. So we might get to some highlights and lowlights on Uniform Factor later on this week, but that was just a little tease considering they all dropped yesterday, which is pretty pretty rare for, for, a, for a Nike NBA collaboration like that. All right, we're jumping right back into things. I think I got Jacob Hillman with me, so we can only talk about one thing, and that is the Atlanta Braves. Whew. Man, uh, I think we will start off with the fact that we indeed did go to game five of the World Series in Truist Park on 
Sunday evening, and what a scene that yeah, was. That, that's exactly what I was going to say. What a scene. Yeah. Um, uh, if For those of you watching at home, which I presume would be would be most of you, considering <laughs> the barrier to entry to get into uh, Truist Park and even the battery, uh, you probably could tell that there were a great number of people and a great amount of excitement for the Atlanta Braves as they uh, as they went to just one win away needed to win the World Series. Uh, I think, you know, op- opening statements, uh, opening estimates of, of the amount of people there on Saturday, you know, well, Truist, Truist Park, of course, packed to the gills, and then the battery packed to the gills, so much so that it was closed. That, that, yeah, the fire marshal showed up and said, we're done, no more people could show up, at which I don't think it would have mattered what the fire marshal said if the Braves had pulled it out in game five, it would have been over, OV, for the battery. <laughs> yeah. So It pretty much was over for the battery uh, on our way out. You pretty much had to wade through bottles and cans to even find your way out. I think, I guess what I should say is it would have been OV at like 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. instead of the midnight game time end. So that, 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 was the, that was the difference in the battery surviving that night was the Braves losing. <laughs> That's right. And uh, losing in pretty underwhelming fashion as... Uh, got off to a hot start with a grand slam in the bottom of the first inning, but the Astros quickly chipping away at that lead, tying things up. Freddie Freeman re- regains the lead with a moonshot 460-foot home run. Looked like the Braves had all the momentum back, but Astros continued to jump on the uh, Braves during their second straight bullpen game, and the bullpen just can't get it done like they did in Game 4. Uh, and you really can't expect them to two nights in a row. So. Right, especially against such a great lineup that the Astros bring to the table. It's something that you don't really you don't really expect it to happen. I thought I thought the bullpen did as good as it could have because of the situation they were they were dealt. Like when you've got two straight nights of bullpen games, you man, you've got to score 10 runs, which 10 runs would have done it for the Braves on Sunday night, but it's just it, it it's the good thing is they didn't have to use too many guys out of the bullpen. Drew Smiley ate up innings. Mentor ate up a few innings. So now you're set up with the night shifts ready for game six and seven. Yeah, I mean, you got you got Will Smith and you got Luke Jackson both, you know, off a long rest. Mentor, Mentor will be ready, and Tyler Matzik, he's going to be fully rested, and he can do his thing. Yeah, if the I mean, the Braves' pen is going to be the underline and the exclamation point on – the Braves tonight if they win and if they lose it's going to be a, a big sticking point as well is my prediction I don't know because I feel like if the Braves don't get it done tonight look at what Max Fried's done in his last two starts he has not been himself that 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 1.5 ERA guy in the second half of the season where we really thought wow he's going to dominate the playoffs and he he did good in his first uh start or two but then in his second start against the Dodgers and his first start against the Astros it has not been good. He's done a good job at getting to the fifth inning, but he's given up five runs and six runs in each of those outings. Mm-hmm. Max Fried on the bump tonight for the Braves. He is 0-1, as is his counterpart, Luis Garcia, who I believe is on short rest for the Astros. He is uh, 0-1 in his playoff appearance as as well. Gar- so, Garcia is not going to pitch very many innings. Tonight. Yes, that's, he's, he's kind of an opener. Right. I, I'm not, and he's a, he's a long, long opener. I think he could go two or three innings. Mm-hmm. So He went... Uh, Let's see, three, three and two thirds in his other right. appearance so far in the series. So, 
man, I'm uh, I, I'm hoping to see regular season Max Freed and not not game two Max Freed tonight. Right, and if you get that post All Star break Max Freed, I mean, it's hard to imagine the Braves not bringing it home tonight because that is the key and what prevented the Braves from winning that game two. If the Braves get the typical outing from Max Free they're used to, the Braves got it. They they would have they would have won it in four. <laughs> it would have been a sweep. So I really I really don't I really don't see anything but Max Free being the most impactful factor tonight because it's hard to imagine the lineup just deciding not to show up because they've been there all series long. I mean, here's the thing: Jorge Soler tonight he's gonna hit a home run. Think about what he's done the last few games. He's been mm-hmm. so close. He hit two. Two ripping fouls, and his outs were hard hit balls. 105 miles per hour on a line out right after he missed a home run by like 10 feet, and then he had that one down the left field line that went foul by also five to 10 feet. So I, I really think Solaire's going to be big for the Braves in the middle of the lineup right after Austin Riley. So that's that's the thing. Riley, the way he's been playing, he's going to get on base, and Solaire, it's his job to drive him in. So. That that's what I look at from the lineup, and obviously the pitching. It's all about Max Freed. Yeah, and I and it's it's got to be crucial for for Max Freed to you know the first 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 and then second time through this Astros order to control the bats because that's what's been killing the Braves so far is is not the inability to to score but uh, letting the Astros get rallies going and in order to snuff that out you need performance like you had against the Dodgers in the clinching game of the NLCS. You need your pen to come in and put out fires in a way that uh, we did not see in in game five, but and, it wasn't in a, really a situation to do so. Yeah, and I think some of it was mismanagement. Not that I'm putting the blame on Snicker or, or Kranitz. It's just that I think that it was a tough situation to deal with where you needed Davidson to go those three innings. You needed Minner to go his last inning, but they both just ran out of gas and it was just, they couldn't really stick with it. Like Davidson, I don't think he should have gone out there for the third inning. I think that should have been Chavez in which he came in for that one out. Mm -hmm. Mentor, Mentor, I think it was right to keep him in the game. And I just guess he just didn't have what it took to, because that was the thing. Like when you walk the worst hitter, I mean, in the league, maybe eight, eight spot worst starter. That's that, you know, the worst hitting starter in the league. Yeah, like, because that, that catcher is not good at hitting at all. I mean, he had, like, a a 500 OPS. Maldonado. Yeah, he's not good. And, like, I remember a guy looking back at me whenever whenever they intentionally walked to load the bases. He was like, this is a great walk. This guy stinks. And he was correct, but Mitzer just couldn't throw a strike to him. So it didn't matter. And I think if you get out of that inning – it might be a different. We might be celebrating right now. Yeah, it might be a completely different. St- I mean, we might not be Com- here. Compact discourse <laughs> would not have happened yesterday, that, and I it get, might not have happened today. That's right. Yeah, we might. We might still not be back. Right. Uh. So yeah. I mean, it, it, it's. But I mean, it's the fact that you have so many missed opportunities like that that makes you feel a little more confident in the Braves because it feels like the Astros are going to have to play completely perfect in order to get 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 a get a get a win here tonight and. If if not then then if later. necessary tomorrow in which Ian Anderson's on the bump on full rest as well so the way he pitched in his outing this World Series he's been really really good no hit mm-hmm. so so um, I mean is is it is the game plan to take a look at game one and try to replicate that 
you know your 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 other your other win in Houston. Yeah, I, I think it's got to be, and obviously Charlie Morton and Max Frieder are different in the fact that I believe that the Astros prefer to face a lefty. I don't don't think that I know they do. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little different in that sense, but other than that, yes. Yeah, and you you, you your game plan is to go out there and try to chase chase Garcia as quickly as possible because right. the Astros aren't aren't playing that well from behind so far this series. I really think that the the Braves can get it done tonight, and truly, truly, they're not going to have to score too many runs. I think Max Free comes out and does his post-All-Star break performance. Well, you heard it from Trevor Plouffe back in March. You know, no, never, no need to play, play the season at all. Braves over Astros in six, according to Trevor Plouffe. We'll see if his prediction comes true tonight. we got a little more World Series chat coming on after the break. i got Jacob Hillman hanging out with me. We also got an exciting weekend of Auburn Athletics coming up. Auburn's taking on Texas A&M this weekend, and Auburn basketball men's and women's are kicking off this weekend and into next week. So plenty of festivities we got to tell you about. So keep it right here on WEGL 91.1 FM and uh, WeagleFM.com. We'll be back in about two minutes with the rest of the show. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I am your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside WEGL Live Sports Director Jacob Hillman, welcoming you into the show on a lovely Tuesday morning here on this 11th month of the year. November 2nd, 2021 is the date today. It is the bottom of the hour, which means it is time for your Auburn, Alabama weather report. Currently in Auburn, Alabama, it is... A lovely 59 degrees and sunny clear skies expected throughout the day. High of 72 with a low of 46 for today. We'll be hedging more towards that high as the sun is going to be high in the sky with not a cloud to be seen until later on this evening. So the afternoon temp will get up to about 70 degrees. It'll cool down to 55 once the sun sets at 549 p.m. with an overnight temp of 49 degrees, a very minimal chance of rain throughout the day. So and accordingly, 8-mile-an-hour winds, a little blustery today, probably blowing some of those leaves off the trees. And uh, it's been it's been very pretty. The fall has come early, earlier than it usually does to, to say, campus this year. We, we, had, we, had a, we, had a, we had a stretch last week where it was rainy and cold, but now it's kind of perfect. Yes, and it, it is unseen. We, we rarely get a nice autumn here, here in Alabama. That is so, true. That so, is true. And, I mean, it is set to continue. I'm looking at our 14-day outlook right now. The highest temperature we are looking at for the next two weeks is 71. And the lowest is? 40. Okay, that that is what I don't like to hear. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but that's a low. And I think, I mean. The, oh, I mean lowest high. Oh, the lowest high. Well, that's a, that's a completely, that's a horse of a different color, 59. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, whoo. I mean, you're telling me we're going to be between 59 and 71 these next 14 days? Yeah, I think it's going to be about like it is today for the next two weeks. That's maybe amazing. a little maybe a little rain, maybe a little AM showers in a, in a few weeks, but for right now, um, we are dealing with a perfect autumn November, uh, perfect for going out and about, enjoying campus and uh, having a good time. And something you can enjoy coming up later on this month is Auburn basketball. It's back, baby. Friday exhibition. Be there. 
Get your Jungle t-shirt. Sign up for it on auburntigers.com slash jungle. That's auburntigers.com slash jungle. And sign up on AU Involved. Get all kinds of perks and and things that you wouldn't get if you're not signed up. So that's my promotion as AU Jungle president. And so, yeah, we got the exhibition game Friday night. Home opener on Tuesday night. And then right before the Mississippi State game, like <laughs> minutes. Uh, yeah, pretty much. We play Louisiana Monroe uh, next Friday. So it's going to be a fun two weeks of Auburn athletics. As, uh, really, it's just good to be back in Auburn Arena courtside in the jungle, and I'm really excited. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be the first time we've seen a packed-out Auburn Arena since you know, Texas A&M mm-hmm. in, in March 2020. Don't, so. don't remind me of that game. Yeah, but. I mean, I know. <laughs> you, you, missed, you missed the car by that much on the putt. <laughs> So, uh, oh, yeah, that's yeah. I, I was even referring to that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was there. I did not know how painful that game was. <laughs> so, yeah, we are looking forward to that. And, um, I, I mean, how are you feeling about the uh, off the court and on the court? What's the what What's the vibe for basketball this season? Yeah. So, what else? If you're referring to off the court as in just getting back in the jungle, then it's I'm excited. I mean, and I guess it, I guess I'll echo that for on the court. I think it's just going to be a lot of fun this year. I think this team. Even Bruce Pearl has said it. They got a chance at doing great things this year, as mm-hmm. in repeating what happened uh, my freshman year, your sophomore year, going to the Final Four. He said that, and that's not something Bruce usually does. So I think it's going to be an exciting season. Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, they're going to be the best front court in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to take time, but the back court as well, Wendell Green, Zepp Jasper, they're going to figure it out, and they're going to be – in the top half of the SEC, if not the top four in the SEC. Yeah, and you talk about all these personalities that have been uh, <laughs> com- coming to the Plains. And uh, at just it's 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 nice to see, you know, we, we were following along when Bruce comes to Auburn. He starts having success, and now we're si- finally seeing the the fruits of that success as, we, as we're, we have guys now on the team that come to Auburn for Auburn, and not because it's, you know, not because they want to play for Bruce or, any of any other extraneous factor, it's because they love Auburn and like it, it. It's very clear, and I think that's a great change of culture for the program. Right, and it shows at those football games whenever Dylan Carwell is on the biggest jumbotron in the country with his shirt off. Yeah, and, on and, the on the way to sexy cam. Yes, and he uh, he said on his Instagram story that it's going to be federal for the Iron Bowl. So that 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 shows me that as they arrive back from Atlanta, they're making sure they make it to that Auburn Alabama game. On November twenty sixth or seventh, twenty seventh, yeah. yeah, and and really, you hit you hit the nail on the head. Dylan Carwell, Jabari Smith, Wendell Green, they came to Auburn because of what Bruce has built, and because they love what Auburn University has to offer. And it's really something special to see. And it's not, and this isn't a knock on the past past athletes, but it's just it's different, and it's because of the atmosphere around all this stuff. And I think part of it is also because of what we dealt with in the past year, how football games weren't the same. Basketball games were definitely not the same. And it's just exciting to be back and, and really doing these things again that we, we, we really enjoy and what we love about Auburn. That's right. And you can, if you enjoy and love Auburn, you can come on out to uh, the exhibition game. On that is November fifth on Friday, seven p.m. Central Time versus Southern Indiana, which is a former Bruce school. Yes, yeah. their head coach actually played under Coach Pearl back, I think, at Southern Indiana. So uh, uh, Auburn will be honoring him as well. Good deal. And then uh, the home opener, the big dance, kicks off 
November 9th. That is uh, next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. Auburn, Alabama, Auburn Arena against Moorhead State. Moorhead is not a state, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because Auburn's non-conference schedule doesn't really ramp up until December. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, I guess other than the battle for Atlantis, it doesn't really ramp up until December. So it's going to be a lot of... I won't say a lot of growing pains, but there will be growing pains, and it might be more evident in areas than others, or it might be more evident in different games. So I, I, I think that these first few games are so crucial just because you want to make sure you get everyone as much playing time as possible and that you get them the important playing time. You don't want to just throw them out there and not make any progress. you they, you got to make progress and get ready for SEC play in late December. Yeah, and you got Moorhead and ULM, two great opponents to get the season off to. A great start coming up next week on the 9th and 12th, respectively. And then you travel to Tampa, Florida to play the USF Bulls. Is this going to be the same venue where the SEC tournament is? I don't believe so. I'm pretty sure USF has their own okay. their arena on campus. and we're, The SEC tournament's in the Tampa Bay Lightning arena. Mm, noted. But, you know, it'll be like Hoosiers. You can get the tape measure out. <laughs> same size court. Yeah, exactly. So uh, just, just know what you're playing for. And then, of course, the battle for Atlantis is going to be over... Thanksgiving, as it always is, uh, including a game against UConn, and then you know any number of combinations could transpire next. Yeah, uh, I forget what the what the big team is. It might be Michigan State. That's... Yeah, Loyola, Chicago, Michigan State, Arizona yeah. State, Baylor, Syracuse, and VCU yeah, will Baylor all be team. hanging out in the Bahamas with the Auburn Tigers. So, and here's the thing: that's going to be an early test to really see. You know, if you you go there, you go two and one. You're happy, but I think the most important thing is just the individual performances. You want to see how these guys, these newcomers, perform against that tough competition. It's not really about getting those wins because, in reality, it really matters about, you know, obviously you can't lose every game in November and December, but Mm -hmm. if you go and play Baylor, the defending national champions, and you don't win or you even lose by 10 points, it's not the end of the world because it's November. You want to get hot in February, but you also want to see – and that if you lose by 10, you want to see those guys play really well and just show promise, and that, that's what's important. And let's not forget about women's basketball is starting up at the exact same time as men's basketball. November 4th, in fact, a little bit earlier on Thursday night, you can head over to Auburn Arena at 7 p.m. and watch the exhibition game versus Miles College. That is at 7 p.m. on this Thursday. And then a week from Thursday, you can see the season opener versus the Georgia Southern Eagles, November 11th. That one's also in Auburn Arena at 7 p.m. So women's basketball kicking off with Coach Jay looking to build something big here on the Plains. Yeah, I think the most important thing for Coach Harris and and, and her squad is really just making sure that build a little bit of an atmosphere because we, we've been missing that at the women's games in the past few years. So, you know, show up, show out, and that's the most important thing for those, just to really start the rebuilding process. And we're looking forward to it. What and more can you say? Yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, I'm so excited about women's basketball just because a new coach, you know, a blank slate, a chance to build right. something big. And I mean, I, I've 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 heard this from a few people, but I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, coach Jay's in, inheriting a women's basketball program that looks a lot like the men's basketball program mm-hmm. before Bruce showed up, and right. you saw what Bruce was able to do. And I think Coach Jay is just as capable, if not more capable, of building something. Uh, unbelievable here in Auburn. So I'm excited to be, you know, here for the start of it. And it's already starting considering all the, the recruits that have been visit, visiting here, right. here at Auburn. And commitments and everything. So it's it's an exciting time 
for Exciting Auburn basketball time for hoops. Even Auburn football. So hey, yeah, we'll see. You know, something, something, something. Control your own destiny. I don't know. We shall see. On the other side of a break, we've got a big story to talk about. I think Monkey Gate is what we're calling it. I mean, um, yeah. We te- call Texas is back to being in the headlines as uh, things got a little crazy in Austin over Halloween. We'll be joined by Grayson to discuss uh, Monkey Gate. You don't want to miss it. Gentlemen, this is FM 91. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I am your host. Jack Hart joined alongside Jacob Hillman, live sports director here at Weagle, as well as station manager Grayson Moyer. You may have seen him creeping around his office in the background, but we've coaxed him out and he's joining us on the show today. Uh, so welcome in, Grayson, to the show. How are you doing on this uh, Tuesday? You enjoying, doing, enjoying the weather? Yeah, it's really nice. You make it sound like my office is a cave that I live in, and that's you know partially true, <laughs> but at the same time, I, I don't like that characterization of that space. <laughs> make it sound like I'm a goblin. Well, <laughs> pick your battles. <laughs> All right. It was just a quiet Tuesday, uh, a, mo- a quiet Monday night on, on Twitter last night until I think Monkey Gate is what we're calling it. Sure. Transpired. And uh, it, it, if, you, if you do not know, which uh, I do not blame you for not knowing because this is, this, is this is a bit off the rails. Um, a Texas assistant, University of Texas, the Longhorns, a Texas assistant coach, partner appears to have deleted her Twitter account after responding to allegations that the couple's emotional support monkey bit a trick-or-treater at their home over Halloween weekend. Yeah. Oh, oh so what was the response? Did the monkey do it? Well, the... <laughs> we're we're skipping denied a lot of it. steps here. She denied it. Not the monkey, but the monkey's owner. Okay. And it it, it is wild. Like, she, she took a video walking into the spot because... What she had a haunted house where kids and adults could all come in and, and enjoy the haunted house. But, you know, part of that was the fact that she has animals like monkeys that are in an enclosure. And part of what she showed in her video was here's this here's this gate where I put a do not enter sign on it. And I mean, obviously you clearly could have put that do not enter sign up right before you put the took the video. So it's it's hard to say. Who knows? But it's also like it, it's, it's a haunted house. Do not right. enter generally means go there. There's a cool monster in there. Right. Well, there was in a this cool case, monster. There was. Yeah. <laughs> what, what kind of monkey was it? I'm, I'm very curious about emotional support monkey. I've seen pictures. I don't know if they were related or, oh, well, that's clearly not it. That's a chimpanzee in a suit at court. <laughs> but I have seen other pictures from other stories. It looks like a capuchin monkey, like from Night of the Museum. Okay. That, that seems fairly common and less likely to, you know, kill its owners. Yeah. That um, seems to be fairly frequent. I guess chimps more than monkeys. They're wild animals. Yeah, yeah exactly. Don't, don't put them in your house. Um, this one's coming from Tom Campbell. Uh, he's hearing a report from a credible source that a Texas Longhorn special teams coach, Jeff Banks, monkey, allegedly attacked and seriously <laughs> hurt a young trick-or-treater, which is a great title, uh, last night on Halloween. The monkey's jaws apparently had to be pried off of the small child. Oh, my God. <sighs> like, yeah. 
I, I know Texas is wild with its animal laws as far as what you can keep as a pet. Mm-hmm. But how how do you get to that point where it's like, you know what I'm going to have? A monkey. <laughs> this Dude, this proven support thing me. to be a bad idea, known by anyone who's ever owned a monkey, not saying I have, that like, y- you should have known those. And I don't know why you'd buy one. Even in Texas, where it's legal to have one, because it's legal to have like every animal in Texas. Yeah, I, I think part of it also is, you know, I mentioned the "Do Not Enter" sign, and where there's a there's a Facebook post from her that's talking about it's not just a haunted house; it's also a maze. So when it's a young child, he might have gotten lost. He or she might have gotten lost, and it's just. And, and there are loose yeah. monkeys in mm-hmm. there, yeah. like. This was waiting to happen. I don't know how you don't see that coming. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the monkey should have been present during this, during this haunted house maze tour. Yeah, I mean the defense is uh, that she took a video walking through the backyard, going through the maze, and explaining how the only way for a child to be bitten was to stick their hand into the monkey cage. A thing children are known to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's that's like, too off base. Well, and, and part of that is her Facebook post talking about the haunted house and maze was from, yeah, for all kids Sunday 7 to 9.30 p.m., then it's just adults from 9.30 to 11. So it's like, okay, you, you're inviting children that, like we said, like to do things they probably shouldn't. They probably wanted to pet the monkey and... The monkey did not want it to be pets, so. But also, like, get this. You know what adults are also going to try to do? Pet the monkey. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, we say adults are less dumb, but I think it's just harder for them to fit their hand into the monkey cage. Um, I, I don't know. Has has the affiliated school said anything about it? I don't believe so. People work this for? is, like. I mean, I get this is, like, hot news. This but... broke, like, like less than 12 hours ago. Yeah. So we're still trying <laughs> exactly. to piece the. Like, pretty much the only things are, are these, like, couple tweets, including the one from Tom Campbell. He did a little investigating and found the Facebook post inviting everyone to the haunted house here in Austin. But I, and, there, and, there's a lot of allegations. There's well, yeah. a lot, there's a, I mean, that, that's a big one. To, I mean, when you pull the monkey card, you better have your evidence. Yeah. She, she deleted her, her social media accounts, too. Good answer. So, yeah, that's something. Almost as good of an answer as don't have a monkey in your haunted house. <laughs> She, um, she, yeah, she said in that video that the child in question intruded into her backyard, oh ignoring ignoring the warning sign. But, um, you know, what if the child couldn't read? Also, yeah, like, I mean, I we don't know we don't know any information about the child. So, like, if this child's like four years old, they probably don't recognize that or understand that. You know so, that whole thing we have to do where you have kids under like six. We have to cover up all the outlets and have like locking cabinets right. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Kids are dumb. Yeah, They'll get into whatever yeah. they want. Yep. Yeah, hide the and monkeys. if there's a monkey in that equation. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's similar to like when you're in a store or like there's those videos of like children like climbing onto like tall yeah. thing is just like they don't fear death. They don't they don't know what that is. No, they don't. And they don't they they find ways. If they if, if they have their mind to set on something, they are going to accomplish that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, the monkey was a female capuchin. Okay. Its name was Gina, Gia, and it was vaccinated. <laughs> is it is it still alive? You make you're, you're talking about this monkey in the past tense. Um, I'm concerned. I think the monkey's still alive, but uh, apparently, she she the owner of the monkey, the one who's related to the to the Texas uh, special teams coach. Uh, ignored the, the she claims that the child ignored the warning sign to leave the animal alone made their way into the enclosure 
and she said she was unaware anything had happened until a doctor told her that the bite needed to be inspected and cleaned. God. Imagine that phone call. I mean, yeah. Even minor animal bites are serious stuff, uh, especially like cats. Mm-hmm. Like any puncture wound like that, you've got to go to the doctor now. And when you have to, even if it is vaccinated, when you have to pry a monkey's jaws from the child's hands, I think it's a little. That's like yeah. you said, compared you, to you a cat bite. <laughs> yeah, like it's not even about rabies, which I think is what the vaccinated comment mm-hmm. is about. It's just like, you know, just bacteria in the environment from being punctured by a monkey's teeth. Like, I, I don't know. It's it's wild that this even made it to this point. I found the monkey's Instagram, by oh, the way. Oh, good. <laughs> Mon- monkey underscore Gia on Instagram is the uh, is the monkey's Instagram. And this is it's like... an influencer. This is actually the monkey made by the owners? Like, yes, because wow. th- this last post is from 2018. Wow. Yes. So uh, it's got it's got memes. How many it's followers got, does it have? Uh, 9,000. That's a popular I, monkey. I would yeah. assume that a lot of those are from... Very recently, because yeah. all these comments are from like ten hours ago, nine <laughs> hours ago. Respond to the allegations, monkey. Yeah. So, man, this is—I mean, Grayson. I know we've talked about this before, but this is why you get interested in sports. Yeah. Without sports, this, silly sides. Yes. Yeah. Sports. Yeah. Who cares who who wins and loses? But regardless, the monkey's gonna bite somebody. I mean, exactly. I, I I can imagine being a te- like you know on that note, like I can imagine being a Texas fan. You're just like. This is what we have to deal with for the next week. Yeah, this like Sarkeesian was a bad hire, and our our coach has a <laughs> and, has yeah. a rabid monkey. See, now we have the option for them to get away with something much worse than a monkey bite. This and could, just use the monkey bite as like a PR cover. This could be like a false flag. Like <laughs> some, something's nasty is going on in the Texas athletic department, but everyone's focused on the more sensational, <laughs> scintillating monkey bite story. It's a tale as old as time. You you deploy the monkey bite to cover up whatever <laughs> scandal you've got going. Oh, Man, I've all been right. There. <laughs> we've all been we've all been privy to a classic monkey bite caper. So um, I think this will be an ongoing story as the story, much like the Bishop Sycamore situation. We uh, we broke the story yeah. as it was happening, and uh, the, the story continued to get weirder throughout the week. So hopefully, uh, in the next two episodes of Compact Discourse, we'll provide you with some follow up on uh, the monkey situation. But I think that is just going to about do it for today's show. I want to thank everyone for joining me today, including Davis Carroll, Jacob Hillman, and Grayson Moyer. Thank you for hanging out with me this morning. Uh, once again, I do want to remind everybody to get excited about Auburn basketball, which will be starting exhibition this um, Thursday and Friday, women's and men's, as well as the regular season is going to tip off next week. And we've also got Auburn versus Texas A&M coming up over the weekend over in College Station, uh, where Auburn has enjoyed a, a good bit of success. So we hope to keep that going against a, uh, a ranked A&M team. As you know, Auburn controls their destiny in the West, so we'll see what happens. Went out, and you're in. Any final thoughts before we get out of here today? Well, I guess on the Auburn football note is it'll be interesting to see where they're ranked tonight in the college football rankings. The oh, initial, is that tonight? Yeah, the initial Man. college football playoff rankings get released tonight. We'll see uh, how, how highly, if, if, if they're subscribed to the R.J. Young school of thought, that the right. roadrun, roadrunners should be in the playoffs. Right. And uh, we'll see whether or not Cincinnati is a playoff team. Uh, according to the committee, and whether or not Alabama's number one. Well, you never know with these guys. No chance. No chance at that last one. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. However you joined us today, whether that be from your radio antenna from WeagleFM.com or by listening to our podcast, we would like to remind you that all of our previous episodes are available as a podcast absolutely anywhere, PSA Brave free, 
or you get your podcast. Just search for Combat Discourse. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CDiscAU. That is at C-D-I-S-C-A-U for links to that podcast if you want information about the show and to get important updates about Auburn's only student-run morning show. You can also tweet at us and get your opinion on the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at WEGL underscore AU. That's WEGL underscore AU for uh, news about Auburn stages and every other event we have coming up later on here on this week and every other week. And with that, for Jack Hart, Davis Carroll, Grayson Moyer, and Jacob Hillman, this has been another exciting episode of Compact Discourse. We'll talk at you tomorrow morning, Wednesday at 8 a.m. And go Braves tonight as they look to get their first championship since 1995 tonight at 7 p.m. Go one no. I'm trying to see a colorful bird.